God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thank you so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there. So we bring that service to you wherever you are, anywhere in Israel, anywhere in the world. And we hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 30? We're going to finish that up today and that's where we're going to be. And as you know, we'll also put those verses up here for you in the video just to make it easier for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about giving your battles to the Lord. Giving God your battles. You know, we all go through trials in life and sometimes those trials have a person's name attached to them, don't they? People treat you wrong, they take advantage of you, and many times the thing that motivates them is an ugly selfishness, a greed, if you will. And when a person is always focused on themselves, they don't always think about the hurt that they bring to others. And it's easy for you to get angry at that kind of person, isn't it? You want to get even with them, you want to show them what it feels like to be hurt. It's easy to fall back into the carnal, fleshly thoughts and feelings and live like the world instead of like a child of God. But you need to keep your eyes on the road on up ahead. You've got better things to do than better things to think about, more noble things to do. And God is calling you to a calling in your life. And if you let yourself get distracted by every little problem and uh, petty disagreement along the way, you'll never realize the true purpose in life that God has you for. And so He knows what you're feeling. He knows how you've been hurt. He knows just how to deal with that person. And now if you were to deal with that person, you might not have anything good planned for them. But God both knows how to cause them to regret the harm that they brought to others and at the same time how to change their heart as well so that in the future maybe they won't treat others that way but they'll treat other people better in the future. And while God is dealing with that person at the same time He can be leading you into your future and the beautiful things that He's prepared for you. So don't spend time wasting all your efforts on that person trying to argue with them and win an argument. It's better to give that battle to the Lord. Just take your mind off of that rearview mirror. Just stop looking back there. Take it off, throw it away. You're not going to be needing that rearview mirror anymore. God has better things for you on up the road. And you don't want to miss out on the things that He's prepared for you. Just give God your battles and leave all that other stuff behind. He'll fight them for you. And that's what God was teaching Jacob in our chapter today. When Jacob was lied to and deceived and treated badly by Laban, God intervened. God not only punished Laban, but at the same time, He blessed Yaakov, Jacob. It was obvious that God was fighting Jacob's battle for him. So let's look at Genesis 30 today and let's see how the next chapter in Jacob's life is unfolding. The continuing life of Jacob, Yaakov. Now starting at verse 25, it then says in chapter 30 of the book of Genesis, And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Yosef, that's how we say Joseph in Hebrew, Be'evrit, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away 
that I may go to my own place in my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my service which I have done for you. In verse 27, And Laban said to him, Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. And then he said, Name your wages and I will give it. And so Yaakov said to him in verse 29, You know how I have served you and how your livestock have been with me. For what you had before I came was very little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since I came here. And now, when shall I provide for my own house? Let's pause there at the end of verse 30 and talk about that for a little bit. You see, Yaakov had now spent more than 14 years of his life working for Laban. He knew that he belonged in the land that was promised to him by God, whom God had given to his grandfather, Abraham, the land of Canaan. That's what God had given Abraham, Isaac, Yaakov's father, and now he's also confirmed that promise to Yaakov on the way to Padanaram, to see Laban and try to find a wife for himself there. This is why Jacob refers to this home that he's talking about as my country. It is his country because God gave it to him. God gave it to his grandfather, his father, and confirmed that he was giving it to him. Now it's interesting to see here that Laban says that he has learned by experience that the Lord blessed him because of Jacob. Laban is not a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, but he's seen firsthand how the Lord has blessed his flocks and his possessions since Yaakov was there. And even in his own, even in your own life, believers, unbelievers, can sense the Lord in your life by what they see in you. They see your walk in the Lord, and that can be an example to them, to cause them to wonder about God. They may see God's faithfulness to care for you. Both through the good times, they see how you respond, and they see how you respond during the trials as well. And they see that God is caring for you, and they think about giving their own lives to the Lord. Finally, here we see Laban pleading with Yaakov to stay longer. Sadly, though, Laban seems more motivated by his greed than anything else. He doesn't seem to care too much about Yaakov and his own well-being. And in, the, in life, you'll find the same thing is true of other people. They may be talking to you, they may want to make agreements with you, but many times they're only concerned about themselves. They're not really concerned about your well-being. And sadly, finding a win-win situation with such people is kind of difficult at times. They want to be the winner. They don't care about you. You can be the loser. But you really will do better in life if you truly care about other people and you look for win-win situations in your agreements with others. You'll find that people sometimes don't care about you. They only want to use you. When you give your battles to the Lord, though, He'll guide you and keep you safe from those who would only use you. Then we see in these scriptures that we just read this morning that Yaakov is homesick. He has a heart for home. In our temporary journey through this life, we also know that we have our hearts set on our true home in the kingdom of heaven with our heavenly Father and all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
You see, the heart set on the flesh and the temporary pleasures of this life can never really be happy. But a heart set on the kingdom of God and our Lord can be peace in any situation. No matter what storms are roaring around you, there can be an overflowing peace inside you. Now we go into our next verses, beginning at verse 31. And he says, well, what shall I give you? Laban says to Yaakov. And Yaakov says, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Verse 32, he says, let me pass through all of your flock today, removing from there all of the speckled and spotted sheep and all of the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these will be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in a time to come when the subject of my wages comes up before you. Everyone that is speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is, I'm sorry, it said everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. In other words, all of the white ones, all the ones that were solid color, if those are found among mine, which are supposed to only be the speckled and spotted, then you can consider it stolen. And you'll know if I'm being honest with you or not. Then in verse 34, Laban said, Oh, that it would be according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and he gave them into the hands of his son. And there he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Yaakov fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now, notice here that Laban asked Yaakov, what shall I give you? Hmm. Yaakov tells him right away, he says, you shall not give me anything. Why was he giving him that reply? Because Yaakov already knew that Laban's promises didn't mean anything. When Laban had promised him his daughter Rachel as a wife after he would work for him for seven years, Laban instead gave him Leah. Laban changed Yaakov's wages over and over again through the 14 years he had worked just trying to get Rachel as a wife. So the last thing Yaakov needs is another empty promise from Laban. Instead, Yaakov proposes an agreement in which there is no money involved. In the new agreement, it will be God alone who'll reward Yaakov. Laban only looks at the potential agreement through the eyes of the flesh and accepts it because he feels he is sure to come out the winner. But Yaakov has cast his fate into the hands of the living God. He's put his fate in the hands of the Lord, and he will let the Lord care for him. In the end, Yaakov's decision to trust the Lord will prove that it kept him safe and prospered him greatly. Your life is always far better off in the hands of the Lord than it is in your own hands. Now look at verse 37 as we continue. It says, Now Yaakov took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees. He peeled white strips in them and exposed the white that was inside the rods. So you have this area where he's cut the bark off and it's now white, but the bark was dark, so they're striped and spotted and so on like that. And the rods which he had peeled, it says in verse 38, 
he set before the flocks in the gutters or the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that when they should conceive when they came to drink that's when they bred and everything all the sheep and uh, the, the male and the female came together drinking and those that were in heat and everything uh, would be sensed and there would be mating there and the flocks would all breed there at the troughs and the females would be looking at these uh, speckled and spotted so that when a potential mate came up a male came up that wanted uh, that wanted to have relations with that female then the female felt somehow approving of that mate because she associated the speckled and the dark and the white together with water and with food from the troughs because they saw these things as they were eating and drinking. That's the theory. So then it says in verse 39, So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Now Jacob separated the lambs, it says in verse 40, and he made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flocks of Levan. And he put his own flocks by themselves, and he did not mix them with Levan's flock. And it came to pass in verse 41, it says, when the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, in other words, when they were weak, he did not put those in the gutters or in the troughs for the feeding and the watering. So the ones that were weaker were Laban's, and they weren't mated with, you see, and the stronger ones became Yaakov's, because that's when he had put these things in the troughs for the feeding and the watering. Now, even though we can see what Yaakov is doing here, we still can't see if that would really work. There's no science that says that these peeled rods or something like them could help in fertility in the flocks. It may have been that Yaakov had knowledge of the flocks that we no longer have today. He was a shepherd. He was there with the sheep. He, he knew how to work the sheep. He knew how to care for the flocks. And nowadays, much of that is automated and everything, and it's done in machinery and all like that. It could have been that Yaakov had knowledge that we've lost and that we don't have any more today. But in the end, it seems like the Lord was blessing Yaakov, regardless of what Yaakov had planned. Regardless of the plans that Yaakov had for these rods, which he peeled to expose the white part on and left the dark part on there too, and he had plans, but God had his own plan. And God was blessing Yaakov regardless of what Yaakov had planned for himself. God had already said he was going to bless him. And in fact, next week in chapter 31, we're going to see where the Lord tells him and emphasizes the speckled and the spotted in a dream that he gave to Yaakov and put this in his mind. And so he knew what Yaakov would do th with this. In the end, it wouldn't matter what color those rods were in the troughs if God was going to bless the flocks. But he let Yaakov have this plan, and God had his plan. He went ahead and blessed the flocks, and he let Yaakov have some fun with his plans and his thoughts too. In the end, the flocks greatly increased.
And it's safe to see this as the Lord's blessing rather than as the results of the plans of a man. And we'll see in the next chapter, next week, how this works in with that chapter and ties back to what we're talking about today. That dream might have motivated Yaakov to make those rods and put them in the troughs. All we really know for sure is that the Lord blessed Yaakov, and that's the wonderful thing about being a child of God. Sometimes we get things right. Sometimes we don't. But as a child of God, we're always blessed anyway. Now we look at verse 43. And it says, Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous. He's talking about Yaakov. And he had large flocks, female, male servants, camels, and donkeys. And that's the end of our chapter today. It's a short message, you might say, but we're still going to talk about it. And don't worry, we're not going to send you home right now. No pastor would do that. They want to talk to you and, and make sure you miss that football game or you're late for lunch. You know, that's what we do. Just kidding you. And finally today, we see the results of the blessing of the Lord. Yaakov had become very prosperous without taking anything from Laban. So Laban could not change Yaakov's wages this time. It was God who had provided for Yaakov. And Yaakov told Laban, I don't want anything from you. Let's let God decide. And he came up with this plan, and Laban liked that plan. Now, if you think about this, the flocks of the sheep and the goats usually had solid color sheep and goats. The sheep were usually white. Sometimes the goats were brownish colored, but they were all white or they were all brownish colored. The ones that were speckled or spotted or had stripes of colors on the white and everything, those were very uncommon. Those usually were a very, very small number of sheep and goats that were uh, striped and colored like that, you see. And so those were always considered to be a very small minority of the total flock. So when Yaakov proposed this, he was proposing to take the speckled and the spotted and he would raise those. Well, Laban knew. Any shepherd, anyone with a flock knew that, oh man, 90-something percent of the flock is going to be all white or all brown and a solid color. And I don't have anything to worry about. This guy, Yaakov, is, is only going to get a small number of sheep and goats that are uh, striped and spotted and had these spots on them and everything of a different color on a solid coat. So he felt like he was going to be the winner. But he didn't know that Yaakov has put his fate in the hands of the Lord. And when he put his fate in the hands of the Lord, God turned everything around. It was God that provided for Yaakov and prospered him greatly. Now, Laban could see that the Lord who had blessed him while Yaakov had been with him was now blessing Yaakov himself. And if there was any argument about the results at the end, about what had happened, it wasn't because he gave something to Yaakov they both agreed that it would be up to fate for him to get the speckled and the spotted sheep and the goats, whatever number they were. And Laban felt like it would be a really small number. But then God turned it all around. Turned out those, be, those would be the larger number. And Yaakov's flocks increased greatly. The ones of the speckled and the spotted and the mixed colors there. 
Yaakov had simply cared for Laban's flock, and the Lord gave him a huge flock made of the speckled and the spotted sheep. I like that, because you know what happened there. The Lord gave Yaakov the outcasts. Remember in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, I think it was, it says, of the Messiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to visit those in prison and, and break them out of the prison and everything. What was He saying? He was saying, I've come to deliver the poor, to bring the good news to the poor, to the outcast, those in prison, those who are sick, those who are brokenhearted. They're the outcasts of society. I've come to get them, the Lord said. In this prophetic verse in Isaiah 61. And now God is making Yaakov rich through these outcast sheep and goats. I love that. I love the parallel as it causes us to think about the Lord and His mission in the kingdom of heaven. As we said, normally the speckled and the spotted sheep were a very, very small part of a flock. But God reversed the births among the flock, so the speckled and spotted sheep became the majority. And because of the agreement that Laban had made with Yaakov, these new sheep now belonged to Yaakov. So there was no question the blessing had not come from Yaakov's efforts or from a bad deal, or from anything dishonest done by Yaakov or Laban. They had only come from the providence and mind of God as he blessed his child, Yaakov. Now, all of this came as Yaakov gave all of his cares, all of his battles, all of his worries to the Lord. Laban was fighting Yaakov trying to keep him there longer and everything he said to him, everything that was planned, it was all politics it seemed like, just to, to try to keep him there and, and deceive him to keep him there longer because he knew that somehow he was being blessed in his own wealth and flocks because Yaakov was caring for them. But Yaakov, even though Laban had deceived him and lied to him over and over, Yaakov simply gave his battles to the Lord. And God fought those battles for him, and he gave him the victory. <clears throat> now remember that before Yaakov came to Padan Aram to visit Laban, his relatives, and try to find a wife for himself and to run from his brother Esau, who was uh, threatening to kill him, before he came from the, uh, from the land of Canaan, Yaakov had everything that he needed. But then it turned out that he was trying to steal Esau's birthright. Well, he, he tried to get it because he sold him a bowl of soup to keep his brother from fainting from hunger. That's not right. And then we see him lying to his father, Yitzchak, telling his father, Yitzchak, that he's really Esau. And he dresses like Esau, tries to talk like Esau, and, and wears Esau's clothes so that his father, who is now blind, will think, he'll smell, he'll feel the hair on, on the back of his hands and neck that his mother had put there because of the skin of a kid goat. And, and his father is being deceived into thinking this is Esau, but it's really Yaakov. Yaakov had been the deceiver. Yaakov had been the one that lied over and over again. Yaakov had been the con man. 
But now Yaakov is being conned by another con man, Laban. And of course, along the way to Padanaram, as we've discussed over the last couple of weeks, the Lord appeared to Yaakov. And he told Yaakov who he was. Again, I'll say this this week again. Remember that when the Lord came to Yaakov, <clears throat> he didn't rebuke Yaakov because of the things that he had lied about because of the deceptions that he had given, because of the unethical things that he had done in selling his brother soup to keep him alive and keep him from fainting and lying to his father about who he was to steal a blessing from his brother Esau. God didn't rebuke him for any of that. He just said, I'm the Lord. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your descendants. And Yaakov was so impressed with the glory and splendor of the Lord, with the pure holiness and righteousness of the Lord, that of course his own sins inside him burned. But the God didn't condemn him for those. He just forgave him for those. And after that encounter with the Lord, Yaakov goes forth and he's now a different person. He's now a different man. He's a man who honors honesty. He's a man who wants to live and speak truth. He's a man who wants to do the right thing. He's not trying to get worldly treasures for himself anymore. No, he's concerned with doing the right thing and letting this Lord God that he has met take care of him. And so now he gets to feel what it's like to be conned himself. As Laban, the brother of his mother, so his uncle Laban is conning him and deceiving him into working for him for now 14 years. And Yaakov is feeling a hunger to go home and be with those whom he loves and those whom he knows. He now knows that God will take care of him. He now knows that God is with him. He now knows that God is blessing him in all that he does. He reasons that if he goes home, Esau may still be mad at him. But now it's okay because he says, I've met the Lord God. And the Lord God is fighting my battles for me. The Lord God is taking care of me. The Lord God is blessing me. And he will protect me and he will keep me and bring me safely back to my family and heal the divisions that were in my family because I was a liar, because I was a deceiver. <clears throat> Yaakov sees that God is with him and he knows that everything now is going to be different. Everything is going to be changed because Yaakov is now given all of his battles to the Lord. And God has given him victory in all of these things. Now, we don't know anything more about Laban at this point. <clears throat> we know that as of this chapter and the next chapter, Laban's heart is not changed because next chapter, we're going to find that he chases after Yaakov and his family, trying to keep them there and trying to take his wives and his children back from Yaakov the ones that Yaakov worked for for all that time and have been feeding and caring and raising, now Laban is going to try to take them back. But after that, we don't really know what happens to Laban. It may be that from the example that he saw in Yaakov's life, he becomes a changed man. 
it may be that he ignores all of that and thinks, no, that was just a coincidence. I just got unlucky or something like that. But Laban has seen a man of God walking before him. He's seen how God cares for his children. He's seen how God cares for his people. And so Laban can either go one of two ways. He can go toward the Lord and want to know more about this God who loves and cares for his children. Or he can go away from him and say, no, nah, I was just unlucky. I'm going to go ahead and get everything I can get for myself because everything in life is about how much you own, how much wealth you have. And it doesn't matter what you have to do to other people to get that wealth. It's all a struggle. He views other people as adversaries. If he has that sort of a mindset, he's going to have a sad existence. He's going to die maybe with a great amount of possessions. But at the same time, he'll be unhappy. He'll feel like he doesn't have peace in life. He'll feel like he never really found true happiness, even though he had all of this wealth. And so many people go through life like that, don't they? They struggle for this and for that. And it's an endless pursuit for wealth and possessions because they think that stuff will make them happy. Stuff gets old. People steal stuff. Later on, they come out with new stuff, and it's so much better than the old stuff. And you're always seeking just to get more stuff in life. Life is about so much more than that. You need to realize, child of God, that you were made in the image of Almighty God. You're here in this life for a purpose much higher and much more noble than simply having a whole lot of stuff. I think you know that in your heart. I think you feel that in your heart. God wants to take your life and make it into something meaningful. He wants to give you a peace that lets you have peace that the world could never take away. A peace that endures inside you even in the middle of the storms that howl and roar around you. God wants to give you His peace. He wants to care for you in His love. He wants to fight your battles for you. He doesn't want your little eyes to be worried about every trial that comes your way. You're His little child and He wants to care for you hold you in His arms, protect you from the evil and the harm, and bring you into His kingdom that you might be with Him forever in everlasting life with things that the mind cannot even imagine. So beautiful, the eyes cannot have never seen, ears have never heard about them, the things that God has prepared for you, but He will reveal them to you through His Holy Spirit when you are His child. God wants to give you that peace that passes all understanding. You have a choice to make. You can be Yaakov in this story today, or you can be Laban. One man is going to be happy no matter what comes his way. The other man's going to be unhappy no matter how much stuff and riches and wealth he has. He's going to know in his own heart that he's hurt so many people to get it. And in the meantime, there's going to be other Labans out there who are going to try to take that from him too. 
and he's going to feel the hurt he used to give to other people. Make up your mind which way you want to go in life. You could go through life battling all the battles that come against you by yourself with your own plans, with your own thoughts, with your own greed and selfishness being the motivation in life. Or you can go through life knowing that God is going to bless you in the end, that He's going to bless you greatly. He's going to be with you throughout your life walking alongside you, keeping and protecting you, guiding you to keep you out from the trouble that you might have hit otherwise. He's going to be there with you. If you would just take your mind off of those petty trials that you face from other people and situations and give those battles to the Lord. Amen. Why don't you give your life to the Lord today? Right now. If you call out to Him, He'll hear your cry. And He'll answer you and He'll rescue you from that darkness that you're in and He'll shine His light on your heart and you'll be given a new life. He'll change you into a new person. Throw all of those past failures and sins away and you'll be made completely new, given a new start. And He'll give you everlasting life in heaven. And that's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity today to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Lord and to receive God's peace, the peace that we're talking about, in your own life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment and to give us everlasting life. You could pray something like this to give your life to the Lord and be saved. Just pray, you could repeat after me, just say, God, I do want to know you and I do want to have real peace in life. I do believe on your son, Jesus Christ, as Lord, and please forgive all my sins, Lord. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'll tell you something. God heard you and he's already started working in your life. A little seed's been planted deep down in that heart. Over time, you're going to begin to see the wonderful changes that God's making in your life, in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him every day in His Word. Talk to God every day in prayer. He's going to do beautiful things in your life.